Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm Stacey Francis, and it's great to have you here. Today, we have a special guest, Dana Stutman. Dana comes to us with a really unique story as a matrimonial attorney. She started off actually in the numbers field, just like me, a woman after my own heart. But she, just like me, found that just the numbers themselves and the models didn't really make her heart sing. And so she moved into matrimonial divorce because she knew that she could help couples going through difficult times and help them understand the numbers to make it work for both parties for happily ever after, even though that happily ever after was not together. She talks to us about being a business owner and has a unique twist. She is married to her business partner, Michael Stutman. Together, they created a thriving matrimonial practice, and she brings unbelievable insight that we've never had here before, specifically on the topic of being a business owner, marrying a business owner, creating a business with your spouse. All these different situations are things that you need to think about. And she gives key important tips and keys to protect you, protect your family, and to protect your spouse. And if you wait till the end, you'll hear some really personal information that I share about my struggle with being a business owner and talking about what happens if there's a divorce with my husband. So please stay tuned and please help me welcome Dana Stubble. So welcome to Financially Ever After. Today we have our special guest, Dana Stutman, who is going to be talking to us about a unique perspective of her journey and also experience about working with her spouse and some of the issues that we might want to think about um, as we enter into a partnership, not only marriage, but potentially business partnership with our spouse, and also what women need to be thinking about themselves to protect them if their marriage, you know, unfortunately doesn't work out. I heard a statistic that in New York City, instead of it, I thought was a 50% divorce rate, um, actually is closer to 60%. So I don't know if we just really don't get along with our spouses, but um, that statistic kind of surprised me a little bit, Dana. Hi. Yeah. Well, you know, I always wonder what the source of the statistic is in the first place, but I believe that the statistics are greater when people have been married and divorced more than once. Mm -hmm. So that could impact the findings. Uh, We do get some repeat customers or clients, I should say. Um, But, you know, it may be 30% 30% or 40% for first-time marriages, but maybe greater for second and third marriages and fourth and fifth. And have you always worked in this space? How did you how did you find yourself in matrimonial law? This is the question I love because everybody has such a different journey. Well, yes, it is a journey. I fell into it, but um, I'll try and make a long story short. When I 
went to college. I came from a family of doctors, and I mean an extended family, all physicians, and I knew I didn't want to do that. So I went to business school and earned my CPA for a large firm, Deloitte & Touche, which was at the time one of the big eight firms. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you remember way back when. But, um, and I enjoyed doing that. I love numbers, as you know. But I I was empty in the sense that there was no contact with people, individuals, and their personal needs. And that was something that was very important to me. So that's why I went back to law school later. And having gone to law school during my experience there, I realized that there were a number of things that were important to me, not just working with people and working with numbers, but I really enjoyed litigation and being part of what is supposed to be the solution. We can talk another time maybe about how that may not be always the solution, but you know, I enjoy being out in front of people and um, making a presentation. So that really drew me to this profession. And I would say I fell into it, but it turned out to be the right thing for me for those three reasons, my my ability in finance and my enjoyment of finance and numbers, my ability and my skill with people and working with people. I, I like helping people who are in need. And I, I do believe that people who are getting divorced have great needs, not just in terms of assistance in the legal aspect, but they need support. And they need someone who cares about how what their outcome is going to be. And the third thing, of course, is to be able to litigate and go into court and deal with the judges and make relationships with other lawyers, the court, mm-hmm. experts such as yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting because you come to this with a different background than I see most of a very numbers-focused background. And one of the things about matrimonial law that not everybody realized, but a lot of our podcasters listen to this podcast specifically because they want to better understand the numbers. And so much of divorce, well, it's about the numbers. It really is. Um, You raise a good point. And I do think that my background in numbers helps. I I was an auditor. I did a lot of auditing of numbers. So I can do a basic smell test and understand whether or not numbers and financial statements I'm looking at look right in the first instance. But I do think that my comfort with numbers compared to lawyers who yeah. are not comfortable with numbers is great. One one of um, one of my old mentors once said to me that one of my talents was taking a complicated situation and simplifying it. And that's really what it's all about for the judges, for the clients. Yeah. And that's what they want because they're already feeling, most people, extremely overwhelmed. Yes. And then you have all these moving pieces, all these numbers, and how do they work together? And what is the story that they're telling you? What is that story that they're saying? Right. There's there's a lot of moving parts. And if you can simplify it and and compartmentalize everything, as you do, I'm sure, in your profession, that's exactly what you do. But as a lawyer, to be able to do it on first blush and say whether or not we need a financial expert and why we do and help the client to understand what the issues are so that that when they do meet someone like you, they understand why. Uh, There's a comfort level there. Now, you work with your husband. And tell me more about that. I I mean, it's interesting. There are days when I really miss my husband and I think, boy, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, I could see him all day. And then there are other days, um, typically after the weekend. And this weekend we did our fall cleaning. So bless, we spent about 12 hours going through 
the storage down in the basement, oh, all the different closets, the kids' closets. And by the end of the weekend, I think we were both very happy to be going to, you know, both places we felt accomplished. We get but, it out of the house too, Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> we, were, we felt very accomplished, but happy to get out of the house and having to kind of like having our, our own careers. Um, so tell me how you met and how that came to be. Sure. Michael and I met on opposite sides of a case, which is cute in its own way. He represented the husband and I represented the wife and everybody wants to know who won. But the truth is we settled Mm -hmm. and we settled well for both of our clients. It was a good outcome. Um, There were no sparks at the time. Michael, who's 12 years older than me, I suppose, um, was very respectful to me. This is back in the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And I was very green at the time. So I really appreciated and was respectful in return. And after the case was over, we developed a friendship. Um, he was in the process of a divorce at the time anyway, so it wasn't a good time for him. But about four or five years after we became friends, I realized what, you know, I didn't want to let him go. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to to get him before, before somebody else did. And um, so we got married and uh, we have two children together. And Michael has two children from his prior marriage. And we have the blended family that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked also, second part, uh, what it's like, how we got to working together and what it's like working yeah, so with So no, you were, you were working at different firms at the time then. Correct. Different matrimonial firms. Correct. So we were. I was working at a firm. I was a partner at a larger boutique firm that's pretty well known in the city. And I got excellent training there. And I really, I still am very good friends with everyone who's there. But I needed more flexibility. You know, I was working very long hours, 12, 14-hour days, weekends. Um, We started having a family. I needed something better. So I left, and I worked with Michael a little bit, and then that firm changed format. So we both went different ways and then came together again three years ago and formed Stutman, Stutman, and Lichtenstein. Um, And we love working together. I love working with my husband. Now, not everybody can say that, right? Um, Michael and I are very strong personalities, so you wouldn't think that we could do this. But we have managed to to work on cases separately, mm-hmm. but consult with each other mm-hmm. in a way that we can benefit from each other's perspective. I mean, that's what lawyers do. They talk to the brethren and form different opinions. We don't yeah. always have an answer right away. You have to be thoughtful and think yeah. about what the answers yeah. are. So, you know, when we go home at night and we're still thinking about that one question, your partner is invested in it yeah. because he's invested in the business. So I have a dear friend who um, has a investment management firm herself, and she started the firm with her husband. And she is going through a divorce. And if you could put your other hat on, not about you and Michael, but just for those individuals who their their marriage is coming apart and they are business partners with their spouse. She she had a lot of challenges. Not only did she have to deal with custody, right? right? But then there were the financials and then there were the financials of the business. And what they realized through this process is that them working together going forward wasn't going to work because the staff felt like they felt very alienated. They didn't know who to pick. It, there was a lot of tension in the office. And ultimately, he's going to go off on his own and do something else. But it it takes not only for that type of situation, you're dealing with a, you know, a family 
divorce, but you're in her situation, she's dealing with a, a business divorce. Right. And she ended up hiring both a matrimonial attorney, of course, um, but also a business consultant to help the two of them work through the issues of the business. Do you see this happen? Um, you know, cases that have oh, come sure. to you as well, where there's this added complexity. And part of my question to that is, is are there things that we can do or talk about or somehow have in place to help if God forbid there is a personal divorce or a business divorce that we don't find ourselves, I mean, really, really struggling to to make it through? Well, you know, divorce is a terrible process and the dissolution of a business is a divorce. So they're both terrible processes. The best advice I can give is to have an agreement. Mm-hmm. You know, you, people enter into businesses with spouses thinking they won't need a partnership agreement. They won't need corporate bylaws. They do. It's it's akin to having a prenup, mm-hmm. actually. And we can talk about that some more later. But a business agreement will tell them exactly how things are supposed to happen by default. And they can always agree otherwise if it doesn't make sense. But there's a payout number, a payout formula, and it will cut down on the number of questions they have, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, when people go into a marriage, they don't realize that they're entering into a contract, Mm -hmm. Um, but they are. It's It's a contract by law, and the terms of the contract are set by the legislature, unless you set them yourselves in a prenup. It's the same with a business organization. And if you can set those rules down in the first place and be smart about it. But, you know, it, I've, I've had that happen several times. In all, I think, three or four situations, they have hoped to work together into the future. I have been very um, hesitant to, to support that. But I do, because if that's what your client wants, you want to help them make it work. It never works. It never works. And before they resolve the divorce, they end up finding another way to work out business. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. And I know so many people, not only just marriages, but really good friends who are going into business where, you know, never ever really thought about doing a partnership agreement or anything. And you know, what could possibly go wrong? Well, <laughs> things can go possibly wrong. And, Absolutely. you know, without those documents, whether you're, it's your best friend or it's your spouse, it's something to protect you. It's something to protect your spouse. And, and just as important, something to protect your clients and your team, your staff members, because they're experiencing all of this as well. That's right. You don't want the business to suffer as a result of what you and your husband are going through. Yeah. Or you and your wife. Um, you don't want the business to suffer. So those the contracts and the agreements that I'm talking about are exactly geared towards minimizing the amount of tension, any litigation. Um, it's very hard to for clients to go through a divorce without having it on the surface. Yeah. You know, it just is. That's divorce is, I think, the worst thing a person could probably go through mm-hmm. from what I've seen. And I've seen more than just divorce, of course, you know, at our age, we see a lot. But breaking up in a business is probably the next worst thing. Um, You know, people are going to feel it. So if you can minimize it and get through the business dissolution quickly, Mm -hmm. that's the best for everyone. 
So let's say this is a, a woman who's listening who is in, uh, you know, happily married, but things have not been as happy, a little concerned. She's working with her husband in the business. Is there a way that at this point they could put these documents in place, put a prenup in place? What would that look like? You can do that. Um, it's called a postnup if you're talking about your marriage, um, and it's any the same as any agreement at any time if you're talking about a business. I've found that a lot of people are hesitant to do that because they don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, once you start talking about an agreement, um, the client tends to wonder: Is this going to send things in a negative direction? Um, and I think the answer to that is: It certainly could. Yeah. You know, it certainly could, but. If you're already concerned that it's going in a negative direction, you know, you have to consider whether or not you want to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that can be really murky with um, businesses is we've had cases where it truly is a 50-50 partnership in the business. They're both, you know, working 40 hours, plus 50 hours a week. Um, The other thing we've seen is that her name is on the business or his name on the is on the business for health insurance reasons and, um, you know, collecting and getting a benefit that way. Um, and then we've seen the not on the business at all. So no ownership, not even an employee, but Bless is going in there Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 2.30 before kids pick up and doing work pro bono to, to just kind of help and move it all along because it's good for the family. Those are all different scenarios. And I imagine each one has different financial implications Absolutely. for that, yeah. That in this case, let's say a woman. Well, it, to take your last example first, that's a terrible situation for someone working who doesn't have title yeah. and who isn't being compensated likely. Um, there's a case and an argument to be made, but the even the direct contributions will not get a 50% distribution of the business, not of everything, but of the business. And it's unfortunate that that's the law in New York today. I don't agree with it, but it is the law. And I have to advise my clients as such. Um, you know, you have to take into account the replacement cost of that person, yeah. you know, um, and whether or not that person, let's assume it's the wife in, in the situation, the example, that maybe she couldn't get a job doing the same thing if it wasn't her business, you know? Or maybe she's been doing this for 25 years and she's aged out of that kind of job. It's a real problem. And that's the reason you want to have some kind of an agreement in place. I say to to any spouse, female or male, helping out another spouse, you know, yes, it's good for the family. And yes, you don't want to... to put a drop of ink in the water. But at the same time, um, there's nothing wrong with being recognized for what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and standing up for yourself. And having a value. Yes. I mean, from the financial perspective, the first place I go to is you should pay that person because guess what? Now she's entitled to be able to contribute to a 401k, right? Which is wonderful for the family. You could even possibly have profit sharing if depending on her age, maybe she's a similar age to um, the owner and a little bit older and that you have a defined benefit plan. You could, you know, essentially funnel hundreds of thousands of dollars. So the thought of it's better for the family, just I'll do my work. um, You know, I'm pushing the both of us up 
together versus um, the thought of actually getting paid what you're worth. Getting paid what you're worth is actually as good, if not better, right? Because of all of the tax benefits. Your, you know, Uncle Sam at that point now is helping support your family with all of these wonderful tax benefits and deductions and credits. Not to mention Social Security, exactly, and, and health benefits. You you bring up a great point, a great point. Um, but so many times we just, I feel like we tell ourselves these stories. And we start to believe these stories and um, getting information that tells us something different can be hard to hear and hard to bring that conversation up with our spouse, especially if things are not on the smoothest path. I think that's right. I think especially if you want the marriage to work, yeah, you don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. And it's it's a conundrum, Yeah, but it's a mistake not to have that communication. I mean, the breakdown in communication is the biggest problem in marriages. It's the leads to divorce. Um, if you can't communicate with your spouse, then then that's something that needs to be fixed, not avoided. Yeah. So. And I will be 100% open and here is my husband and I are talking about our business. And when I say our, I'm 100% owner, but he started the business with me and that, you know, he helped with the IT and he helped with everything to kind of get us up and running. And he has his own career. But now that the business is, you know, knock on wood, very blessed, worth what it is, it eclipses the value of any other assets that we have. Mm. And it's growing so quickly that our assets doesn't matter how much we save, we're never going to be able to keep up. And I had one of those moments where I had a big wake up call and I talked to my husband and I have never been so nervous. And the meeting that we, when we started to talk, it did not go well. It did not go well because for him, he walked away afraid that somehow I love him less. And to be honest, if anything, I've never been so in love with him. And so it took us some time to really, for him to see my perspective and my fear and my worry of not only would this affect me, but our children, but my my staff, my team. Right. And it was not an easy conversation. And stay tuned. We're we're in the process of figuring out what this is gonna look like. And I, I don't have the answer yet, but I so identify with women because I've never been happier. He's never been happier. I mean, we just celebrated our 17th anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And we're we're kind of so excited because our kids can actually feed themselves yeah. and they can walk to the movie theater <laughs> I know. and we have our life back. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so wonderful, but this is something that kind of brought a wrinkle of wow. like, kudos to you. It's kind of like, shoot, do I really want to do this? But yet it's one of those things where I knew in my heart of heart, we need to at least have this conversation. I'm not sure what it's going to mean, but we need to talk about this. That's right. And, and I'm, I'm very impressed that you actually did that because... Well, I'm about in tears. For, I don't know if you can tell because it was really hard. Well, you have but. your composure, but but I'm sure it was hard. And yeah. the reason I think it's hard is because people view it as a trust broken. Yeah. And it's not. It's not a trust broken. It's, um, it's a business issue. It's yeah. not a marriage issue. And if your spouse can understand that it's in their interest to do this too... It's not just to protect you, it's to protect him because God forbid anything happened and nobody likes to talk about prenups for the same reason. God forbid anything happened, 
there could be death also. Mm-hmm. I mean, those issues need to be addressed yeah. in estate issues. So there are many reasons to address this issue. Um, you can do it a number of ways, but in the marriage, in the business, both. But it is very important, and I'm glad you talked about it. I, I, I really am impressed. Most people can't. You know, it's a delicate, delicate issue. And who wants to feel like they've broken a trust? But it's not that. So what are all the realms of possibilities of going down that path? What what the percentage payout or the value of the business? Because most most people who come to us just expect half. Well, it's marital property. And, you know, he has half the IRA and I have half the IRA and half the house and half the debt. So of course, with the business, it's half and half, but that's typically not the case. It's not the case more and more so these days. Um, 20 years ago, you might've had a chance at getting half. You you don't anymore if you're not a title owner, Um, which is another reason for him to want to do this. Yeah. Um, but it depends where you are. In Manhattan, probably get a little more. I mean, it ranges anywhere from 10% to 40%, frankly. Yeah, so yeah. it depends so much on the facts of a case. I mean, matrimonial cases are factually driven. The contribution, the long they've been married, where... If there's been any dissipation, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it's so a double-edged pieces. sword. So. so we've been talking about being married and, and thinking about this now. Assume that you're getting married, and I'm going to say a year from now, because most of the times, I imagine you get a call two weeks before they're walking (laughs) down the aisle. It's the season. (laughs) That might even be generous. But let's say someone really is doing some planning and, um, you know, they've got a a wonderful career, but the the gentleman that he's going to be marrying, uh, that they're going to be marrying, has a, you know, a multi-million dollar business, or they you know, themselves, um, you know, are coming to this marriage with a unbelievably successful business. How do you treat that in a prenup? What are the different options that you have, um, again, before you get married, before you're walking down the, the aisle? Well, absolutely. I, the, there's a few reasons to do it before you're married, not after. Uh, one of which is you don't have to go through all of the financial statements. The disclosure requirement is is minimal compared to a post-nuptial agreement. And and that's important because that's time and money that you could save. Um, If there's a business, and that's the simplest situation, that one of the parties owns prior to the marriage, in New York today, that's separate property. That's New York State. I can't speak to the other states right now. But that's, people say to me, well, then what do I need a prenup for if it's already separate property? There are a few reasons. One, the growth in the business could be marital. It also could be separate. The, the business could be sold. A piece of it could be sold, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, both people should protect that. They should protect the idea of it. But the best reason to enter into a prenup is to avoid litigation. So even if you don't love the terms of the agreement, and nobody loves all of the terms, everybody has to yeah. take and give. But you're compromising for an end gain. And the end gain is all of the hours of misery and emotional turmoil, 
more than the cost financially. And the cost financially is grave. As you know, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to litigate. Just a few issues. An issue like that could make the difference in you getting a half a million dollars more or your lawyer who you're paying getting a half a million dollars litigating an issue if a divorce comes to pass rather than having dealt with it before the marriage in a prenuptial agreement. So the, the best reason to have a prenup is to avoid litigation. So when you're looking to hire a, a lawyer for a prenup or postnup, is that meeting both you and your spouse are sitting in front of them? Is, it, is this like mediation? Or do you hire your own person? Because I know for me, and we haven't had the meeting yet, we've agreed to it, but we haven't had the meeting, I would want to know, you know, what are my rights? Yes, and you should. Right? And what are my rights? What are the things that I need to be careful of? Um, what things do I want to make sure that I don't sign away or, or things that could be real negatives for me down the line? And so is that done separately or is that done together in the same room and you're advising both couples? Well, for a prenup specifically, especially, both parties, each party has to be represented by a different lawyer. It would be a conflict of interest for me to represent both. Yeah. But I will also say they both should have a lawyer. There are prenups where someone is not represented. And not only is it bad for that person, but it's not good for the person who is represented because that's a reason to have that agreement overturned. They can set it aside. Yes. They don't have representation to give them kind of the blessing of, yes, this makes sense. Then, yeah, you're opening yourself up. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So, yeah, you're opening yourself up to the ability to undo the agreement if you don't have, if one side or both sides don't have an attorney. Now, so I always advise, even in mediation, you brought up mediation, and just as an aside, when people go through mediation or a post-nut process, the mediator will meet with just the parties without an attorney often. And that can be fine. But what happens in the end is the mediator will produce an agreement for them to sign, and the mediator will direct them. Make sure you take it to an attorney Mm -hmm. for the reason I just said. You don't want to have it overturned and get their blessing, right? But what happens if you haven't had an attorney throughout the mediation following you is they'll you'll bring it to an attorney and they'll look at it and they'll say, What what the heck did you do this for? Because they weren't there for all the horse trading and all the dialogue that went on. It's important when you enter into mediation for any kind of agreement you have a lawyer advising you. It doesn't cost much. It's an hourly thing. And most lawyers will do it. I do a lot of it now. There are so many more people going through mediation than through litigation, which is a wonderful thing. You know, um, litigation can be a horrible experience, just having to go to court, having to wait for a judge, having a judge who doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, and won't listen to the details you want to say, because they have 500 cases themselves. I mean, we have good judges. They just don't have the time to treat every case as if it's special to them. So mediation is a great thing, but make sure you have a lawyer from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's great advice um, because I've seen quite a few people where they've got the agreement and then as an afterthought, they'll go and take it to a consulting attorney for their, their stamp of approval. And it's almost as if they're doing it to check the box. They just and they don't want that person to give them any advice. 
because they just want to get it done. Where right. if the person is through the process, they've created a relationship, they created trust, and they know that whatever this this consulting attorney is going to be advising them, it's truly for their best interest. It's true. And you can't get to know a case in one meeting. You can't. I mean, in in many cases, at least here in the New York area, there's a huge amount of complexity. Yes. And it's an ongoing discussion. There's so much information. Yeah. If you have even a 10-year marriage, think about 10 years of information being imparted to your attorney. That takes a long time. Yeah, it does. So Anything else that we haven't covered or, or pieces of advice that you would want women to know who are either have business owners themselves, marrying a business owner, or finding themselves um, in some role in their business to make sure that they're going to be okay financially. And I just, I've seen so many times where we as women, we, we often will put our family first. And we don't think about ourselves until it's too late. And we find ourselves cornered into positions where not only are we hurt financially, but actually the knock-on effect is that sometimes it even influences and hurts our children financially. It hurts the entire entire family. Exactly. It hurts the entire family. I I love that question. And the reason I love it is because um, one of my goals is to empower women, you know, and I think that perhaps our generation got the message but didn't know how to grow it. Yeah. Um, it's really important not only to have a career, but to be an independent person within your marriage and within your family. Mm-hmm. You don't have to become the family. You are not the family. You're your own person. And that's a great reason and a great way to say, look, I want it spelled out. I want to know what is me? What am I? What do I own? Mm -hmm. You know, what is my role? What is it worth to you? What is it worth to this business? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm rejecting the family. I'm not saying that I think something bad's going to happen, but I need to feel my worth. And I need to be my own person and be independent on my own. It has nothing to do with the marriage. It has to do with me. And having an identity as a woman has been a struggle for our generation. I think that the younger generation um, is given more freedom and has has learned from our mistakes, perhaps. But I think it's very important to have an identity, and that's a great way to do it. And it's interesting because what you're talking about has huge financial implications long term, definitely legal implications, meaning you know that you have the right documents in place. But for so many women, they're trapped in a place of fear yes. and anxiety. And so I... You know, and and we'll we'll see. This is the stay tuned, and everybody will hear in financially ever after how this plays out. Um, you know, as as my husband and I go through this process, we may need to go to couple counseling. And mm-hmm. you know, so I I really want to make sure that people know that it's not always about the that there's this huge emotional piece that you're talking about of being able to stand up for your value. That for many women, including myself. I was not raised that way. And so None this is were. very, very different. But that's yeah. why I'm speaking about our generation, because I, I really do think our generation was given the message, be an independent person, but we weren't taught how. Yeah. So we got mixed messages. Yes, you need to be married, have a family, but you also need to have your own career. What does your own career mean, though? It doesn't mean just become a lawyer or a financier or a doctor. It means be your own person. And that's the part that we missed. Yeah. So 
Couples counseling, by the way, is a wonderful thing with the right counselor. Because as we, you know, I spoke about earlier, marriage is dependent on communication. Yeah. And it is the foundation. It is, it is so important, exactly. If you find a counselor that can help be a conduit and help you learn to talk to your spouse, that'll only help your marriage. If you both listen, yeah. you both have to listen. Sometimes that doesn't happen. The other thing I have found, um, because Michael and I have, you know, knock on wood, things are great, but we, we really struggle. Oh, your husband's name's Michael too? Yes. He's, I'm married to a Michael too. <laughs> you're like, wait, my Michael or your Michael? <laughs> this could be more of a Jersey Housewives yeah, uh, there podcast. Right. But um, when we had our second child, Samantha, um, I had the great idea of adopting a puppy six months before because I figured after six months, the puppy will be fully trained. I'll have Samantha. It'll be perfect. Yeah. Oh, you really are type A. I, I had it all <laughs> planned out, and it was it was a, a disaster. Number one, the dog had a lot of medical issues, and it, it, just a lot of things. We had family members that fell ill, and one of the things I found so powerful about couples therapy for us during that time was to have someone else explain his point of view. Whereas somehow when he would tell me his point of view about something, I just, I don't know, maybe I had earmuffs on. I couldn't quite hear. But hearing it from her, it was like, ah, okay, I, I, I get it. And it really helped with that communication oh, and sure. that respect. Sure, right? because you don't think that there could be any other point of view. Than ours. Right? That's could, right. And, and most and, people understand that. But now, yeah. now, you're not going to need the counselor every time. Yeah. Now you know to listen. Yeah. Now you know how to listen and, and that there can be a second viewpoint. And, and both of you are correct, yeah. which is the funny thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think this conversation has been beyond fascinating because it's it's about business, but it's about value. It's about worth. It's about speaking up for yourself. Yeah. It's about communication. And it's it's amazing how all these things are really interlaid with that. It's unbelievable. And it's why I like what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? I'm hoping that those of you, please, if you are in a situation where you have a business or you, you know, have not really been able to uh, talk about some of these issues with your spouse, that, that you have the courage. And I 100% am right there with you of how frightening, but you know, what, what you can hear from Dana and I talking about is that this is a non-negotiable, that you really need to do this not only for you, but for your family. And um, so my hope is that the women listening here, Dana, give you a call. Absolutely. And to pick up that phone as frightening or you know that email as frightening as that might is just to start to get educated That's about right. what might I need to do and what is the best way to approach this. Well, there's nothing harmful in gaining information. Yep, that's true. There's nothing harmful yeah. in gaining information, and calling me is not um, being disloyal in any way. So my, I can give my yep, email. My do. email address is d-a-n-a dot s as in Sam, t as in Tom, u, t as in Tom, m-a-n at, and here's the hard part, s-s like Sam, Sam, L-L-L, like legal, 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 and then P, as in Peter, dot com. So it's Dana.Stutman at S-S-L-L-L-P.com. 
Great. And what we'll do for everyone listening, um, as you know, we always have our wonderful show notes, and we'll make sure that we put in Dana's information for her amazing firm, her website. Uh, We'll also include her email as well as her phone number so that you have that. And um, we'll include a couple resources, too, for you just to start to educate yourself a little bit about what prenups are, what postnups are, because I know we talked a lot about those terms today. Um, But I just want to say thank you for taking this very, uh, you know, from the outside, very hardcore subject (laughs) and really tackling it from a a place where I know our listeners can really identify. Yeah, it's about the human condition. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was nice. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After. I was really excited to talk to Dana today because we've never talked about businesses. And this is something that I live day in and day out. One of the most wonderful pieces of my life, other than my children and my family, is my business. I love my business as almost like a third child. I joke, I have Samantha, I have Sebastian, and I have Francis Financial. Those of you that have your own business, I'm sure you can really relate as well. And so the idea of splitting up with your spouse And then having to split your business, at least for me, gives me heart palpitations. And I felt comfortable enough to share that this is something that I've struggled with in my own marriage of how to deal with my business as it continues to grow in value, much more so than our other assets could possibly keep up. I love how Dana was able to talk to us not only about the financial, not only about the legal, but about the emotional, because so many individuals just like me don't speak up because we have fear and we don't want to rock the boat in our marriage. But my hope, my prayer, my gift for everyone listening today is to value you and to get the support you need to speak up for what you deserve and you need, and to have the protections that you deserve. And part of those protections is making sure that your finances are in order. So please reach out to us for our second opinion service. You can email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. You can go on our website to www.francisfinancial.com to find out about this. It's going to give you a huge insight into where you are today, where you want to go and start to fill in those steps along the way to get there. So reach out. Thank you for investing in yourself and listening in to Financially Ever After.